Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. If you're ever going through a rough stretch in life, just get in a batting cage with Stephen Matz or Sean Newcomb. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Tuesday, August 10th. Frank Stample alongside Scott White and Chris Towers. And guys, just like that, Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto have big nights. They're batting over 300 while Juan Soto goes three for four with a double and a homer. No lineup protection. No problem for Soto. The kid is a stud and I would assume playing against uh, Steven Matz and Sean Newcomb had something to do with it. <laughs> I mean, JT Ramuto, he hasn't he owned like four straight days? Oh yeah, he's in fuego. He's been absolutely he's awesome. red hot and Bryce Harper's been having an awesome season all year. We, we really haven't had much reason to talk about them at all because they're just good. And frankly, we we <laughs> haven't really talked about hitters at all because closers have taken up all of our time. But yeah, those two guys have been awesome. No concerns there. Yeah, I'm going to uh, try and hit on a few more hitters today. Some leftovers from the weekend, some trade targets to talk about as well. Uh, and then we'll give you some updates on some West Coast games because we're, of course, recording this uh, the night before on Monday night. And um, Lance McCullers just had a no-hitter broken up. And Dustin May is pr- pitching pretty well. So we'll update you on those a little bit later on, but uh, let's get things started, guys. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. You know, I mentioned going up against Steven Matz and specifically what Asdrubal Cabrera did on Monday night was otherworldly. Four for four, two homers, two doubles, five RBI, three runs scored, and a walk. And Chris, thank you for pointing this out to me before we started, but apparently since... Last year's All-Star break, as Drupal Cabrera has just been ridiculous. Uh, since then, he is batting 306 with 57 RBI, including tonight. And that's in like 60, 66 games. 66 games. So yeah. I'm not saying as Drupal Cabrera is like a must-add by any means, but there are a lot of injuries right now. Mike Moustakis, Josh Donaldson come to mind. As Drupal Cabrera has dual eligibility, I'm yeah. kind of I mean, interested. Are- He's probably more worth rostering than Carter Keboom, who we were all really rooting for, uh, but who's not playing every day and who has a 42% strikeout rate. Drew Guerrero has kind of always been underrated a little bit. And it's because he's not great. He's just kind of consistently pretty good every year. Um, and in an offensive environment like this, that's not all that valuable, but uh, he's, he's, he's not bad. He's just kind of old and boring. He's 34 years yeah. old now. He's 35% rostered, so he's available. Again, I, I don't think he's a must-add, but I just think if if you're dealing with some injuries or some underperformance to start the year, you need a middle infielder, a corner infielder, whatever it might be, and try and ride the hot hand as Dribble Cabrera is, is playing quite well. Scott is here. We haven't heard from Scott yet. Who is your oh-my-goodness-gracious player of the night, Scott? 
I believe I just said, yeah, a minute ago, but that's fine. That's fine. Nobody knew where that yeah came from. I understand. <laughs> we need more uh, Scott. Goodness people... gracious player. Uh, I mean, probably Aaron Nola. He was ridiculous. He was in his last start too, but he managed to one-up it with this one. Eight, two hit innings with 10 strikeouts through only uh, 89 pitches to get through those eight innings. And uh, it's really good. He's an ace. He's an ace. Congratulations, folks who drafted him as your number three. He is pitching more like your number one and probably probably is the guy we saw two years ago, closer to that than the guy we saw last year. 22 strikeouts to just one walk over his last two starts. He had 15 swinging strikes on Monday night against the Atlanta Braves. What's been most shocking for me regarding Nola is how good the changeup has been. His changeup has never been this good, and he had nine swinging strikes on that pitch tonight. You always hear about the curveball. The fastball is just kind of mad. It's like get-me-over pitch, but works well in conjunction with those other pitches. You know, 91, 92 miles per hour. Changeup has just been utterly ridiculous. Uh, Scott, once you update your ranks, which I know is something you do every week for your um, your trade chart piece, how far up are we moving Aaron Nola? Is he... Is he in that Mike Clevenger, Jack Flaherty range? Is he in that like, you know, six to 10 starting pitchers now? <laughs> Jack I don't, I don't Flaherty, who we've seen what one start from this right. season. Yeah. And who, who knows <laughs> at this point? Because they postponed doubleheader on Thursday too for the yeah. Tigers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. It, like they were all in the same tier to begin with. I had reasons to slightly prefer one versus another. Um, but yeah, it was it was a large tier for me, so I could see moving him up into my top six potentially that high. I mean, yeah, that's it's possible I would move him ahead of those two who you mentioned, Flaherty and Clevenger. And just for people wondering out there, Scott, since we're going to talk about trades today on the show, you, you know, you see two great starts, phenomenal starts like this out of Aaron Nola. I think some people's minds automatically go towards, well, let me see what I could get for him. Let me see if I can sell high on Aaron Nola. I don't really think there's a reason to do that given the landscape right. of pitching right now. I, I think he's just an ace. Yeah. And he's just well, yeah, I mean, like I said, we've it. seen this from him before. We've right. seen him be dominant ace pitcher in fantasy four. And, and like, he wasn't far off last year. He had some uncharacteristic control problems, yeah. a couple of really bad months. Uh, but yeah, still somebody who, I don't know, Chris has pointed out that, that, it seemed like he was being oddly downgraded the closer we got to the season, but still drafted in a range of starting pitchers that we classify as high end. It's just where he, where he would ultimately land on the high end spectrum. And it, it, it looks like with him back throwing a lot more strikes and having, you know, maybe a better changeup than ever. It looks like he's back to being among the highest of the high end. And there's, there's not really a good reason to, to suggest he's he's not that good. Chris, a standout for you on Monday night, whether it's positive or negative. God, there's really not all that much to pick from, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and go with J.D. Martinez, who I'm sure there have been some people uh, worried. He finally hit his first home run today, and look, the underlying stats have not been what we're used to from J.D. Martinez, and you know he's 32 years old, so there might be some concern that he's slipping. I think he's fine. I'm glad he hit a home run tonight to make me feel better about that. But uh, yeah, I, you look at like this Red Sox lineup has kind of 
been a huge disappointment, even relative to uh, the down expectations that people had. I think things are going to be a lot better for them moving forward. Um, like they look like an offense that you can take advantage of right now. And I just don't think that's who they are. Uh, and I think JD Martinez getting on, getting on the right track. Rafael Devers getting on the right track. I think both of those will go a long way. Uh, Xander Bogarts has obviously been awesome. Yeah. yeah. Benintendi has been that. I don't, I don't know if Andrew Benintendi is going to be better. He seems like he might just be broken, but, uh, Martinez and, and Verdugo and Bogarts and Devers, I'm, I'm pretty confident in. Yeah, Benintendi, look, I, I'm not rooting for it, obviously. I mean, the guy is 26 years old. I don't want to be too rash, but he might be I, done. I, like, I'm not going to rule it out. He's just been, it's he's just, been so it's bad this bizarre. year. He was, he's such a, he, he just doesn't look anything like the guy he was supposed to. Like, this was supposed to be a guy who put the bat on the ball, consistently hit line drives to all fields. Um, and he's got a 34% strikeout rate right now. He, he looks completely, completely lost. Yeah. Not just the guy that he was supposed to, I mean, the guy he was, I mean, he was a serviceable yeah. player, Chris. I mean, 2017, 2018, Ben was a, a very good player. He went 2020 the next year, you know, 16 homers, mm-hmm. 21 steals, 290 batting average. Looks like he was yeah, kind he- of. He became very boring the last year and a half. Like I've I've called him Nick Markakis like during that stretch. Um, you know, obviously if he's going to strike out at this rate, he won't even be that. Not that that is particularly valuable, but of course he's literally done nothing so far betting 056. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I brought him up with Devers and Martinez because I put together a list of 46 names today, hitters who people made a fairly substantial investment in and they've just been awful. It's a really long list, which I, 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 to me is reassuring, right? If you have one of those players to look across the league and see how many high-end bats are just off to miserable starts. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of that has to do with hitters being behind pitchers at the start of the season, which we kept hearing how much of it would be. We would see the first couple weeks of any season and it's just magnified as it always ends when we're in the moment. And as it especially is in a season, that's only nine weeks long. Uh, But like things can turn around pretty quickly. You look at where Matt Chapman was four days ago versus Mm -hmm. where he is today, having homered four times in three games, like it can turn around very quickly for all of those guys. Maybe not Ben Attendee, but Devers and J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez was actually one who homered in that list of 46 today. Also on that list, who happened to homer today, Trey Turner, Eddie Rosario, Anthony Rendon, and I think there's one more. So, like, it may already be turning around for those guys. Yeah, and to put some context on it, the league as a whole is batting 230. I believe there have only been four seasons in Major League Baseball history where the league has batted 230 or worse. And I think, I want to say it hasn't happened since, it may have happened in 1981, but I don't think so. It was another season that was weird. It might've been one of the the years where replacement players were in because of uh, World War II or the Korea. Like it was some kind of, we- and look, this is a weird circumstance. Several players uh, are, are not playing right now who otherwise might be. Um, but yeah, the strikeout rate is, the highest it's ever been in Major League Baseball history, 23.9%. Uh, isolated slugging is actually down from last year, but a little bit higher than the year before. Um, 
and league wide Babbitt's two seventy six. It's 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 weird. Pitchers are getting hurt drastically more frequently uh, than normal. I think I saw fifty six pitchers have gone on the IL so far this season, uh, which is I think it was something like twice or three times as many as you would normally have at this point. Uh, and yet hitters stink. Yes, All they do. Uh, someone that you mentioned there, uh, Scott, was Matt Chapman, who, again, double dong on Monday, uh, has four multi-hit games in a row, has four home runs over his last three games, as you mentioned. So it's coming around for Matt Chapman. Let's hit some of the news and notes. Don't want to spend too much time on this because there's a lot that I want to get to. But got to start with you know the biggest news of the day, which came out of Cleveland once again, and Mike Clevenger will not make his scheduled start on Tuesday against the Cubs after violating health and safety protocols this past weekend in Chicago. Apparently, Clevenger went out with his teammate, Zach Plesak, on Saturday night, and instead of having to take a rental car home, he flew back on the team charter with the rest of the team. This is especially bad because he was around the team for at least Sunday, Maybe parts of Monday. And I don't know like how that was a, handled. And was in a team meeting defending Zach Plezak when everybody was criticizing. He was like, wait, wait, guys. Let's go easy on Zach. It could have <laughs> happened to anyone. Uh, just an absolute bonehead. Just, this is just unbelievably irresponsible. And uh, honestly, I think he should be suspended. I would guess he won't. And for fantasy... Uh, I would guess he's still going to make a start this week. I don't think he makes oh, a start this week. They only have five week. games. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Adam Pluko yeah. is going to uh, be in there for him um, today when you're listening to it on Tuesday. But the other teams that did not play on Monday, the Reds, the Royals, the Marlins, Blue Jays, Yankees, Orioles, and the Cubs. So if you still have the ability to take him out of your lineup and you want to use a pitcher from one of those teams, it's something that you could look at doing if, you're, if your league allows you to, to still do that. Um, but I don't think Mike Clevenger makes a start this week. That's just my hunch. I don't really have any more information than that. Uh, Ramon Laureano, he was in somewhat of a brawl on Sunday, and he's in the lineup Monday. He's likely going to face a suspension. We don't know how long that is going to be, but obviously a situation to pay attention to for Ramon Laureano. Another very just weird situation in general, uh, apparently you know, jawing back and forth with like a coach of the Houston yeah, Astros. Alex Cintron apparently said something uh, very rude right. to Ramon Laureano. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. The Rays place Charlie Morton on the IL on Monday and manager Kevin Cash said that he's hopeful Morton will be ready for activation when first eligible. I don't know if that's going to happen. We shall see. Corey Seager is still out with a back issue. Uh, he hasn't played since Friday as a Seager owner. I don't feel great because I know he's dealt with back injuries in the past, but it's Scott there. I mean, there's nothing you could do with Seager. You just kind of hold him and hope he gets healthy because he was ridiculous before he got hurt. Right. Right. I, I didn't start him that. Well, that's not true. I have a lot of Corey Seager. I did have to start him <laughs> in some leagues, but in leagues where I could help it, I didn't. Uh, speaking of players that are still out, George Springer was not in the lineup on Monday as he's dealing with a wrist issue. Rafael Devers was not in the lineup for the Red Sox Monday with a sore ankle. Uh, I have a feeling we'll talk about him on tomorrow's show. We're going to do a little bit of worryometer with some of those players that you were referring to, Scott, that are off to slow starts. And Devers is one of those that I want to talk about. Uh, Thursday's doubleheader between the Cardinals and the Tigers has been postponed. No surprise there. Now we wait and see what happens between the Cardinals and the White Sox. This weekend, uh, Madison Bumgarner was placed on the IL with 
uh, the back issue that he left with on uh, in Sunday's game. We mentioned that you can drop Madison Bumgarner, especially if you don't have any IL spots. That's fine. You could do that. Someone else you could drop is Marcus Stroman, who has opted out for the season. Uh, he was working his way back from a calf injury. Um, he is eligible for free agency after this season concludes. Uh, but, yes, you can drop him in redraft leagues, of course. Uh, Phillies pitching prospect Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez are both being prepped to start on Friday, which apparently means that we're looking at a piggyback situation. If that's the case, Scott, we just spoke about Spencer Howard on yesterday's show, and we said that you know he, he is a starting pitcher, a starting pitcher you should be looking to add. Is that still the case if we're looking at a piggyback role for Howard? Well, I wouldn't want to react rashly and dump him now. It would have to be a pretty shallow league to even consider it. We don't know exactly what the distribution of those innings would be. We don't know who would come in first. But yeah, it was kind of uh, it was it was kind of disappointing in that way that Velasquez had actually an effective start in the first game of that doubleheader on Sunday because it it meant probably weren't going to drop him out of the rotation so easily, but obviously they want Howard to stick around. And, you know, I don't know. I, based on that first start Howard had against the Braves, I wouldn't be activating him right away in fantasy anyway. So it's, it's, it's more of a continue to stash situation and see how this plays out. But obviously the upside is there for him to be an impactful player. If he is able to get uh, a sizable enough workload. And frankly, I was encouraged. He threw 81 pitches in his major league debut. And I don't think walked anybody. Uh, so, I, you know, there were some good signs there, even though the final line wasn't great. Jose Abreu left Monday's game with a hip issue, a left hip issue. Uh, manager Rick Renteria said he's hopeful that it's not, uh, that it is a minor issue. So, something to pay attention to. Uh, that just stinks because he's already locked into your lineup. So, we'll see what happens with Jose Abreu. Last one but not walk, least. One walk for Howard. One walk for Howard. Uh, last yeah. but not least, Luis Arias, the Milwaukee yeah. Brewers, was activated and was batting seventh in the lineup Monday. He went one for four with a run scored just last season in AAA. He batted 315 with 19 home runs and seven steals in just 73 games. Chris, I know Arias was someone that you were excited about. Um, what is the what is the level that we need to get Arias on our team? Like... What is the urgency level here for Arias? Oh, it's low. I, okay. I had him stashed in like, a, I think a 14 and a 15 team league, maybe two 15 team leagues. And so that's probably the only league he, he's been really overmatched uh, in the majors struck strikes out a lot. Um, and Don't strike out a lot, but he has. Yeah. That's yeah. He, he kind he's of the problem to, and he hasn't yeah. hit ball hard. It hasn't been like a Keston right. hero situation where he's made like, even today he had, his hardest hit ball out of the three was 81 miles per hour and it was a 63 foot single. So uh, <laughs> the AAA numbers suggest there is a very viable fantasy profile here, batting average power. Uh, at least he grew into some power last year and some speed, but uh, not someone he, he needs to hit first. Yeah. And he's in a good position to do so. If he gets the opportunity to play every day, it's a really good ballpark to hit in. And we've kind of talked about how the brewers are off to, not a great offensive start, so they could definitely uh, use some help there uh, behind Christian Yelich and Keston Hiura. Guys, some leftovers from the weekend, some stuff that you know I wanted to get to talk about some players that are hot right now, uh, specifically some hitters, and we talked about them a lot. Scott, kudos to you. I mean, you were talking about Kiner for left for the past two months, and I think at some point Chris laughed at you 
Who's laughing now, Chris? Ha, ha, ha. That doesn't sound like something I would have done. <laughs> Kyder Falefa <laughs> is up to 65% rostered, uh, entering Monday night's action. He was batting 333, tied for the American League lead with four steals. Definitely not something we saw coming. Uh, Scott, would you be okay in a one-catcher league dropping someone like Wilson Ramos or Will Smith for Kiner Falefa, specifically for, for either guy? I mean, Ramos is just off to a slow start, and Will Smith, I think, is going to get better, but he just doesn't play enough, so it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, I don't think... like the, Neither of those guys is... Is uh, was going to be such a difference maker for you that I'd be afraid to cut them loose uh, for the hotter hand. It is worth pointing out that Kiner Falefa, well, he's certainly been good. The only way, you know, it, it hasn't been quite the way that I expected it to be good. I, I thought he had, I thought he had remade his swing to tap into a lot of power, which he showed both in spring training and summer camp. And look, maybe it'll come around, but so far, one double, two triples, no homers, a lot of singles. So, you know, that's not what I was hoping to see. Obviously, I wasn't counting on stolen bases. I was counting on a lot of playing time, and that alone can be a difference maker at that position yeah. specifically. So, yeah, I'd be fine dropping either of those two for Kiner Falefa. Uh, I would not I would not drop like Mitch Garver for him. He's one of those 46 players who's off to a miserable start and was out of the lineup for a second straight day today. So, clearly, they are uh, on Monday, I should say. So, clearly, they're they're uh, looking to give him a little extra rest, hope to get him going that way. But that's, to me, that's uh, the potential for more impact there. And like, if you can afford to roster both and you want to go with Kiner Falefa because he's the hot hand, that's fine. But I would not, like I'm not moving Kiner Falefa over Garver in my rest of season rankings. I do think Kiner Falefa should probably be rostered in every league though. I mean, obviously every two catcher league, but Given the fact that he is playing every day, I just it's going to be hard for him not to be a top 10 catcher, uh, given the playing time gap. And that's also why I've, you know, made a point of adding Victor Caratini in a lot of leagues. So he's basically yeah. playing every day for the Cubs as either a catcher, a DH, or I think he's played a couple times at first base. Um, that can give you a big edge, even if they're not that good. And, and both might be like average hitting catchers anyway. Uh, Caratini might even be a little better than that. Yeah, Victor Caratini is betting 313 to start the season. He started yep. the past two games for the Cubs, uh, but set the three before that. So I think he started 10 out of 13 overall or something like that, or 9 yeah, out of 13. But it's something I, I've noticed that they are consciously just trying to get his bat in the lineup yep. any way that they possibly can. The one thing I'll say about Wilson Ramos, I agree I would drop Ramos for Kiner Falefa. But if you have Ramos in a two-catcher league, I think better days are coming. Something we wanted to yeah. see out yeah. of him uh, entering the season yeah. was that he lowered the ground ball rate. So far this year, it's 45.7%. Last mm -hmm. year it was 62%. And his launch angle, we've referenced it before, was zero. His average launch angle was zero, Wilson zero Ramos last zero. season. And this year, it's 10 for his average launch angle. So uh, That's 10 more. I think I think better days are coming for Wilson Ramos. I would still make that swap, by the way. Guys, four outfielders that are pretty hot as of now. Anthony Santander, he's batting 254 with three homers, 14 RBI, which is like top 10 in all of baseball right now. Uh, all of a sudden, I mean, we joke about the Marlins being a juggernaut offensively. The Orioles' offense is actually swinging the bats quite well as well. Uh, Alex Verdugo, he hit three home runs late last week, and he has now played six straight games uh, and has batted either first or second in the lineup three games in a row. 
AJ Pollock uh, was batting 311 with four homers entering Monday night, but he sits too often still. I mean, he's played, he's sat three of the last six games for the Dodgers. And then Jacoby Jones, like we brought up the name before. It kind of feels like we're still kind of not taking him seriously. He's batting 333, hit his fifth homer on Monday night. It was an inside the Parker. But, Scott, how would you rank those four outfielders? Santander, Alex Verdugo, A.J. Pollock, Jacoby Jones. Um, specifically, the last two are likely more available. But I- I've still seen Santander and Verdu- Verdugo uh, lying around in some three outfielder leagues. Yeah, I'm mostly reverting to my priors with this ranking. But Verdugo would be a distant number one for me. Yeah. And uh, followed probably by Pollock, just in the hope he starts to play more regularly. And then I'd put Jones third. Like, I, I don't have... I, I'm still skeptical of Jones. He's striking out as much as before. Yeah. Um, he's not... Like, his quality of contact hasn't vastly improved. His launch angle hasn't vastly changed. Like, I'm not seeing a lot of evidence that he's a different player. He's just barreled up the ball a lot, which, you know, seems like a hot streak to me. But I, I understand in leagues of a certain depth where you always have players you can burn, you might want to take a flyer on him just to see where this goes. Uh, did you, where did you have Santander on that list? Was he last? I, I only ranked my top three, Verdugo, Pollock, and Jones. Uh, so wow. I guess, is that, damn, that, that leaves Santander fourth by default, I, right? I believe Santander is like 15th in the majors in RBI since the All-Star break last year. When I was looking up the Asdrubal Cabrera numbers, that, that one also stood out to me with his 283 on base percentage. Yeah, he does not walk, so that is not going to be helpful there. He puts the ball in the air, 47% fly ball rate this year, 43% last year, and he's got a 45% hard contact rate thus far. So, I mean, it's kind of a similar situation to Renato Nunez. He just does what you want, hitting in Camden Yards. He puts the ball in the air, and and he hits the ball hard. Uh, I agree that I would put Verdugo first on that list. I think I'd put Santander second, actually. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I might go Pollock last, which if you could guarantee me Pollock was going to play something like every day, uh, he, he might be top two, but yeah, I, I'm, it's just hard for me to buy into someone who's not playing that much. I, I would take Santander and, um, Jones over him. Took me, it took me a second to get to that. last <laughs> name. Uh, Scott, I'm just going to throw a few names your way. And for each one, you could just say, Yes, I'm dropping this player for all of them or just Verdugo, whatever it might be. Justin Upton. How many of those players are you dropping uh, Dropping Justin Upton for? I dropped him for Verdugo. Um, I'd probably drop him. I'd probably drop him for any of them. I might hesitate on Santander if it was just for a bench spot. See if Upton can figure out a way to stay in the lineup close to every day. Uh, but if it's not, then obviously I, I, I don't feel like Upton's in a good spot to, to play in, on your fantasy team right now. How about Oscar Mercado, Scott? Yeah, he's not doing much of anything. And I, I, I question that skill set from the beginning. He is somebody who can provide steals when he's going well, and those are hard to find. I uh, definitely drop him for Verdugo. Um, it would be, it would be mostly a needs thing after that. I think I'd be more likely to hold on to him for the others. Uh, just a few other names that I'll 
rattle off for you here quickly. Um, okay. Willie Calhoun. I think we're, are we holding on here, Scott? I am. Yeah. He had a big game Sunday, right? Yeah, he does have... I think he's going to come around. He has I, two I, hits on I'd Monday. I'd rather have Verdugo, but that's it. He has two hits on Monday, including a triple and two RBI. So, hopefully, sign of things to come. Uh, how about Scott Kingery, Scott? Someone who's off to a very slow start. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Phillies lost a lot of games at the start of the year, and uh, he he was talking about having some shortness of breath coming back from COVID-19. So, I, I'm not sure where he's at physically. I'm not sure he's gotten a large enough sample to really know. And uh, he, that speed is so important. Versatility is now triple eligible, picked up second base. Verdugo would be the only one. I'd it's, drop him for. Like we should note, he was awful in 2018 and wasn't that good in 2019. Like Scott Kingery just may not be good. He was he was a 2020 pace over like 400 at bats. Right, but like over like as an overall hitter, he was pretty mediocre. Yeah. Still strikes out a lot, but yeah, uh, I just I'm not. I kind of went away from him. Like he was someone I went into the season kind of thing. Like oh, maybe I might have a lost Scott Kingery, and then I just every time I looked at it, I was like, am I sure he's good? There's no reason to bother with Kingery in a points league. It's just he's a special. He's he's a unique player, and that he has he brings unique eligibility, and he brings the speed that's so hard to find in the formats where you need it. I will say, uh, among the uh, him and Nick Senzel were kind of similar in my mind. I think Nick Senzel's clearly passed him so far. He's he's his quality of contact has been really impressive so far. Yeah, and I know Senzel is, I believe, dealing with something, an injury of sorts. So he hasn't Roy, been in the lineup. I think it was though. He was supposed at last report. He's supposed to be back in the lineup tomorrow. I didn't trust it enough to play him in the league where I have him, but it's supposed to happen. Yeah, his batted ball data so far. Uh, he was one that. Stood out to me when I was looking at some stuff earlier today. Uh, Scott, what do you make of your boy Garrett Hampson playing five days in a row? Only has uh, four hits during that span. He has one homer. He actually stole another base on Monday night. Uh, he's still yeah. 44% rostered. Um, all of the starts that he has made have been against left-handed pitching. Yeah, I think and so, all So they faced all five these... lefties in a row. Look at that. They have. Yeah. He's been batting yeah. leadoff when they faced lefties and... Yeah, back-to-back days with the stolen base. Um, I mean, those roto leagues, it'd be it'd be difficult to cut him loose. Not clear when you'd be able to play him, but like he's capable of stealing a lot of bases, as he's shown the past two days. So, yeah, I do. Sorry, I, I do think it's basically just the lefties thing. Like Sam Hilliard has started one of those last five games, I believe, and that was only the second game of a doubleheader. So it does right. seem like the Rockies do have some pretty clear platoons and yeah, I frankly, just, I, I think that could change at any moment. Yeah. Hampson yeah, has I mean, a big game and the platoons over. Yeah. They're just honestly. And, and the way that lineup looks right now, if anyone has a big game, they, they could be Cause like nobody is hitting for them. It's like the Charlie Blackman and Trevor story show. And that is absolutely it. Except for today. They've had a good day. Yeah. There's a slobber knocker going on in Colorado right now. Um, Matt Kemp has been serviceable in deeper leagues. Chris Owings has randomly been playing for this team. So, yeah, you're right. I, uh, Nolan Arenado, three hits. So that's good to see. Uh, get the batting average up a little bit there. Uh, Chris, I have a question for you from over okay. the weekend. We mentioned the name, but we didn't mention what to do with him. Matt Boyd, we've been getting a lot of questions regarding him. Uh, against the Pirates, this was supposed to be the game that got him right. 
Eight hits allowed, seven earned runs, three walks, four and two-thirds innings pitched. Last year, on the slider, he was allowing a 167 batting average against and a 500 slug. This year, 400 batting average against and a 1,000 slug. Are you okay dropping Boyd for, let's say, the Astros guys? Framber Valdez, Bialik, or his teammate, Spencer Turnbull? What do you do, do there, Chris? No, I, I probably wouldn't drop him for those guys. There, there's been at least a little bit of bad luck uh, involved. You know, obviously we said that last year and, you know, maybe he's the kind of guy who just gets hit so hard that everything's bad luck. Um, <laughs> but I, like the slider's good. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm the, the fact that the slider's been hit hard so far that, you know, you're only talking about 16 balls in play. I believe maybe even less uh, 11 balls in play. So, you know, the average exit velocity on the slider, 84 miles per hour. Uh, I think that's mostly just a fluke. I, like, I don't think Matt Boyd's going to be the ace that we were hoping for because a lot of the, the interest there was predicated on him getting better, but also on the, the curveball and changeup that looked really good in spring training that really haven't been there so far. Um, but I think like, there's still too much strikeout upside. Um, so I, I, I would yeah. stick with him. There, it's not a Mad- Madison Bumgarner situation where yeah. like velocity's way down and like how is he going to muster anything at this point? Like the yeah. stuff appears intact. It just hasn't gotten results yet. And it's it's worrisome, especially after the second half he had. But I don't know. Not I, I doubt too many people listening are in a position where they can dump starting pitcher upside some trade targets guys trade target Tuesday that's what I'm dubbing this so creative I know Uh, obviously any top 25 player who is underperforming right now is of interest and again we're we're gonna have a worryometer tomorrow so uh, email us some uh, players you want us to talk about for the worryometer fantasy baseball at cbsi.com and surprise surprise guys one of the hitters that I would be trying to buy right now is oh no I mean (laughs) I don't think you could buy him low. I mean, his batting average is still low. He's still kind of hitting for power and has some steals. But Eloy Jimenez, the other guy that I was uh, touting heading into the season, he's batting 214 with a 411 slug. His XBA is 266. His X slug is 552. He currently has a 229 BABIP. Last year, that was 308. The launch angle is god awful, and I'm not going to defend that. He's hitting too many ground balls. And he needs to raise the ball a little bit. But I think there's enough in the underlying numbers here, and especially with the prospect pedigree, where if anybody is kind of worried about Eloy Jimenez to start, I would be trying to pounce on that. I, I would sell guys like Mike Yastrzemski for him, which I know, Scott, you're like, uh, you're, you're a Yaz man. Uh, but I, I am. I, I, rank him, I rank Jimenez ahead rest of season. I mean, this is, this is how fortunes can turn the other way so drastically at, at a stage of the season where the sample is still very small. Cause a week ago, uh, Jimenez was batting 333 with the 1045 OPS and <laughs> everybody was taking victory laps. Right. And he's gone one for 23 since then. And, uh, now this is the way his overall numbers look. It's just, yeah. I mean, this is why for the most part, my opinions haven't changed on any hitter yeah. is, 
it's just not enough time. And I understand we're a quarter of the way into the season, but yeah, like that you, really shouldn't change your process. It, you it, you can't treat 15 games differently just because there's only 60. I, like we, we talked about that yesterday and, and like you can change your opinion on a pitcher because like they have a new pitch or they're throwing the ball harder. Exit velocity doesn't work that way. Like batting stats just don't work that way. They don't change that quickly. You don't get, unless it's Eric Hosmer. Uh, or some kind of extreme <laughs> yeah. change like that, where you're going from like the worst in baseball at a thing to one of the best or one of the most extreme. Um, An obvious skill that, change. But yeah, if you believe the skills are still intact, yeah. then the day he turns it around is always potentially tomorrow. And yeah. there are still too many tomorrows to to cut, cut bait on that now. So I, I know I'm not... I'm talking to the, the the person who already has Aloy Jimenez and not necessarily the person looking to buy him, but obviously the person looking to buy him. Yeah, if you can get him for a discount, Yastrzemski, I think, would be fine. Uh, Scott, would another. you trade Kyle Lewis for him? Because oh. I keep I keep wanting to say sell high <laughs> on Kyle Lewis, but yes. again on Monday, three for four, That's three fine. RBI, two runs scored, another homer, Kyle on Kyle this- action. He took Kyle Gibson deep. I mean, I, I am just keeps mashing. I am going to die on this hill. Kyle Lewis is not that good. He's not that good. His strikeout rate <sighs> is slightly better now than it was last year. It's still thirty percent. Yeah, and like he he's not making. He has a five twenty-five BABIP. <laughs> is that good? He's not making the quality of contact to get away with that kind of high strikeout rate. It's not nearly as good as last year. It's nowhere close to like Judge or Gallo level. Yeah. And yeah, the Babip stat. That's that that pretty much says it all right there. That probably okay. could have ended it. I think he can be good or at least like a useful fantasy option. But yeah, if if, if it was possible to to get someone like Elo Jimenez for him, I would do that in a second. I wouldn't even think about it. Chris he's getting hyped like he's an up and coming star. And that's yeah. like he may be Teoscar Hernandez. That useful He's in probably that better than T. Oscar. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit <laughs> more excited. 27 homers last year. Come on. I'm a little more excited about what Kyle Lewis is. I would obviously make the swap too, but I'm every day that goes by, I buy in a little bit more, just a little bit more on Kyle Lewis. Uh, Chris, the last name I'll bring up is Will Myers, who's off to a great start. Uh, his barrel rate is 24%. His X slug is 665. Like, He's destroying the baseball right now. Would you, if you could swap Will Myers for Eloy Jimenez, would you do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would easily do that. And look, I I liked Will Myers quite a bit coming into the season. I, you know, I would hope would have hoped for one more than one one stolen base through the quarter mark. But like he's he's a decent hitter, but he still strikes out way too much. Like this is another situation where there's just obvious regression coming. And by the way, Kyle Lewis has a 100 bat tonight with those three hits. Well, that's because they don't they don't count home runs, right? Home runs are not included in Babbitt. Well, yeah, but it's still oh no, that's right. Okay, one of the hits was a home run. Okay, so, no, it's still one home one hundred because it was a strikeout and a home run. Yeah, Kyle Lewis, everybody. If you could swap him for Eloy Jimenez, make it happen. Scott, uh, who is a realistic trade target? One or two names that you know outside of the top obvious names that that we're looking at struggling right now that that you actually think you can go out and acquire right now for cheaper than we entered the season. Uh, well, somebody I've been getting a lot of questions about, and I brought him up earlier, is, is uh, Mitch Garver to the extent that you're looking to trade for a catcher. Uh, I don't know how much one home run from J.D. Martinez is going to change the math there, but 
seems like people are starting to get worried about him. Josh Bell, I mean, he was he has kind of some of that uh, one hit wonder vibe to him that you know I can't guarantee he's going to bounce back, but it's I don't see any reason to assume he won't either. And if you can get him for obviously an extreme bargain, you got to do it. Um, I don't know. There's so many hitters here. Uh, let me see another good example. Uh, um, like, uh, I don't know any of the Astros guys, right? Jose Altuve or yeah. Alex Bregman. Like there's, and, and like the person who has them, you might be doing him a favor by ridding himself of the stink of an Astro <laughs> stench. Like I'm all for that. Uh, George Springer would be on that list too, but it's, it, he's dealing with a bit of an injury. So I'm not sure how that's impacting his, his start to the season. Uh, those are a few names there. I mean, I still have, I'm still not ready to punt on Marcus Simeon and he's off to a terrible start. Brian Reynolds. I still think he's going to be a good source of batting average. Of course, that's a little on the lower end. Yeah. Yeah. On the lower end, a name that I was looking at and he's having a good game tonight too is Nick Solak, who has started 11 games in a row for the Rangers. He stole his third base tonight, and he entered this game batting 227 with a 306 XBA. I don't even know that you need to trade for him necessarily. He's only rostered in 32% of leagues, but if you're playing in Roto, and you know someone just is like, oh, well, it's Nick Solak, whatever. I, I, I think that better days are coming for him. He's making a lot of contact. The strikeout rate is down. Um, and they're clearly, they're letting him run in Texas this year with Kiner Falefa and, and Nick yeah. Solak. He's How about that? definitely someone that I am interested in. Chris, any names that come to mind in terms of uh, buying right now? Uh, I would buy high on Eric Cosmer, uh, who did finally hit, uh, he has two ground balls on the season now. Uh, so that... I lost the, it all. The dream <laughs> ended, uh, but... Yeah, I believe in the changes he made. I think he's going to be really good. And, uh, you know, he's been really good when he's been in the lineup. But the fact that he's missed so many games may have hidden that. Um, and I would buy Kyle Tucker. I think he's much better than he has been so far. I think there are, like, the the strikeout rate is concerning, especially because it was a pretty high last year as well. I think he's probably not a 30% strikeout rate guy. I think he's probably more like a 25% strikeout rate. And he hasn't gotten the results that he probably deserves. Uh, I'm still very bullish on what we've seen from Kyle Tucker, especially the fact that he's been you know, mostly playing every day. All right, so I skipped over some names here I want to mention. I had a chance to organize my thoughts here. Glaber Torres might be the uh, underachiever who makes the least sense in terms of his underachievement. So that's an easy buy low. Carlos Santana. He's been walking a ton, but doing nothing else. But we know who Carlos Santana is. That's easy. Trey Turner, the fact he doesn't have a stolen base yet. I think his owner might be freaking out and you could get him for yeah. quite the discount. I still think, you know, he's pretty good odds of leading the majors in home runs. Uh, leading the majors in steals. Would take the under on the home runs. Yeah, me too. Would take the field for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave it at this. Uh, I mean, go ahead and throw Anthony Rendon. Like, he's an incredibly good hitter. And, you know, the fact that he got on base three times and hit his first home run today, maybe it's a little too late for that. But Anthony Rendon is not going to struggle this season. He's way too good. 
Yeah, a few pitchers that caught my mind. Luis Castillo, I think, is just kind of the poster child of trying to buy low right now. Don't know how realistic it is, but you know, I've seen some crazy things where people are very reactionary in the shortened season. I've heard of people dropping like star players in their leagues because they're off to slow starts. So if anyone's worrying about Luis Castillo, he's a four seven six ERA, a one seven three FIP, and a two one five XFIP with a nineteen percent swinging strike rate, which is just otherworldly, and his velocity is up. So if someone's... 62% ground ball rate. Yeah, just, there's just everything to love about Luis Castillo right now. If you know, if someone's looking at Brandon Woodruff who's off to a nice start, and you can flip him for Castillo, don't know how realistic it is, but something I would try to do. And Jose Barrios, I, I'm a little hesitant here. I like that the velocity is up. I don't like that he's been walking more people thus far. But the swinging strike rate is basically where it's been at throughout the course of his career. He's going to have some nice matchups coming up where they face the Tigers a few times. Uh, they have a few series left with them. I, I just think better days are coming for Jose Barrios. Scott, if you can flip someone like Denelson Lamette or Dylan Bundy for Jose Barrios, is that something that you would do? Because that seems like a classic sell-high-buy-low situation. It does. And, um, uh, I, 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 I think so. I'd try to get like, I'm, I'm all about Barrios as a buy low. It's just, I'm mostly buying into those two, their breakouts. And if it, you know, if it ends up being just a lateral move, you know, that's not really improving your team's bottom line. Bundy, so I would try to get Barrios another way, but if push came to shove, I think I would make either of those deals. Bundy's a lot easier for me to say. Yes, I would rather trade him. Lamette, obviously I had higher expectations for him than Bundy coming in. On the other hand, like Barrios is not someone I would necessarily like be trying to chase down just because he's not he's not a particularly high upside guy. I'm um, still I'm still Sorry, did I interrupt the thought? Well, no, no, not really. I, I was pretty much done. I, I just like Barrios is like the quintessential like number two slash number three fantasy starter, yeah. and I don't see much room for him to improve on that. Yeah, he was attractive more for his floor than his ceiling, which yeah. is interesting that we're talking about him getting off to a slow start. But I'm still in the mindset that anytime I can trade hitters to get pitchers, I'm pretty much going to do it. So that would probably be more the way I'm trying to get Barrios if I have spare, if I have hitters to spare, uh, or like a hot starter, like, I don't know, Trent Grisham, maybe pair Trent Grisham with some lower end arm and you can get him that way. Classic Frank two for one, right? Yeah. Now you're <laughs> learning, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, even a name like Dansby Swanson kind, kind of comes to mind, although I do like Dansby Swanson quite a bit. In one shortstop leagues, I mean, shortstop is a very deep position. So something else that uh, that comes to mind there. Quickly promote that you should be dropping a five-star Apple podcast review if you can and leave a question. We'll answer it on the pod on a future podcast. I understand we've been slacking here with the questions. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and answer some of your questions here on Fantasy Baseball today. And I want to give a shout out to Lamont Williams and a few other dedicated FBT listeners who formed the CBS Pod Listener League from some obscure circumstances. He sent this in earlier today. So Adam, remember four years ago when you used a selection for the Listener League on the NCAA basketball tournament and there was a deluge of emails because someone asked a question and everyone kept replying? So much so that you had to shoot a shouting email 
telling mm-hmm. everyone to stop replying all because there was so much email traffic. Well, from the ashes of that email, Dumpster Fire was formed the CBS Pod Listener League, a dedicated group of now 12 owners from all over the U.S., two from Australia, one living in Taiwan, and one who worked frequently in South America. Uh, it's just awesome. And I've said this before when you guys sent in your uh, Listener League song submissions. Uh, it's just, I'm blown away uh, all the time. We really do appreciate uh, all, all of your support and I thought it was worth giving a shout out. So shout out to you guys. Uh, we really do appreciate your support. All right, we, when we come back, we'll give you an update on Lance McCullers, Dustin May, what they did tonight. Uh, is Chris going to have to grow a Dobnak? We'll, we'll find out more after this. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. We're back here on Fantasy Baseball today, and Chris, I don't know if you know about this, but um, apparently you're almost you're one half of the way to to growing a a, a Dobnak so, on your face. Yeah, you keep doing this. <laughs> like you asked on Sunday, I think, if I would be willing to shave my face into a Randy Dobnak esque facial hair setup uh, if he had both a qual- quality start or a win in each of his starts today this week. And I told you flat out, no, because my wife would leave me if I shaved my beard. She does not like the way my face looks unless there is hair covering it. And uh, you have a beard. I mean, it's that you can fast. that. First of all, you haven't put that much work in. Like I'm I'm on several months. Like I conditioned this thing. I blow dry it. I got a curl brush. This is I, just like, all I'm this is all I'm capable really of. Chris. And like you've got so much less to lose. I have, a, I have a fiance. You don't have any <laughs> facial hair compared to me. Uh, I, it just wouldn't look as good on me. Like, all right, whatever. I tried. I just look. You were the you were the anti Dobnak guy, so I was trying to make you things. You were interesting. the anti Dobnak guy. No, it wasn't. It was just you. Yeah, I picked up Dobnak and started him in in multiple leagues. So. You can't expect me to remember conversations that I've been a part of. <laughs> all right, well. I tried, guys. We'll give you an update on uh, Lance McCullers, who wound up going seven innings against the San Francisco Giants, allowed just one hit, zero walks, five strikeouts, 10 swinging strikes on 86 pitches. So, Scott, I know we had the conversation last week whether or not we should get him in the lineup after his horrible start last time out. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is exactly what you needed to see, I think, in a bounce back. Sure. I mean, it was favorable matchup. I think his next one is also in this two-start week. He's still not throwing the curveball as often as he did prior to Tommy John, and it wasn't impressive in terms of the whiffs he was getting. It was fine. It was fine. Um, yeah, I don't really know what's going on with him, but he said after that last start when he got knocked around that he didn't feel like it was the start where his stuff was actually bad, and I guess this backs up what he was saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, McCullough certainly looks like a hold now. Uh, I just... Go ahead, Chris. I don't have a problem with him throwing his changeup more because in 2018, it was a really good pitch for him. And, you know, th- that's fine. The curveball, I think, is still his best pitch. I just wish it was coming more at the expense of the the sinker rather than the 
curve. He's starting the curve like 33% of the time now. It was 47% before. Uh, I, I, his, his upside is so much higher, I think, when he's focused on the curveball. And that's not a change that I necessarily love. And it, it was still there tonight. You know, he threw the sinker more than anything else tonight. So uh, that's something that I am watching because he didn't only have 10 swing strikes in this one. And, you know, Lance McCullers is someone who I want to see a lot of whiffs from. And that curveball and, and really the changeup are the two ways he's going to do it. Scott, you mentioned that McCullers is a hold for now. Someone who also might be a hold is Dustin May, who has now gone six innings in back-to-back starts. He's allowed exactly two earned runs in each of those. Both starts came against the San Diego Padres. Not a lot of swings and misses tonight. Only five whiffs total, uh, two strikeouts. What do we do with Dustin May? Because Alex Wood, believe, either just had a bullpen session where he threw 30 pitches or he has one coming up. So... He's he's on the mend. What do we do with Dustin May? Well, we follow the Dodgers' lead for now because we don't know exactly what they're going to do with Dustin May. If he's in the rotation, I mean, there's no reason to give him up in fantasy. He's trending the right direction. I wish he missed more bats, but he gets a ton of ground balls. He throws strikes. He's shown between this year and last year that he seems to have a knack for run prevention. And I mean, the strikeouts have been decent. It's not like they've been non-existent. So, uh, you know, he's somebody you want for as long as he has a rotation spot. And I'm not saying if he gets bumped from the rotations, he's necessarily a drop either. It would depend what the format is, but he'll he'll have a lot of bulk relief appearances, I assume. Uh, I would at least consider trying to sell high. He has a lot of hype around him right now. You know, there's a lot of GIFs flying around baseball Twitter, and I don't think he's going to be someone who's routinely going six innings, even if he does stay in the rotation. Like, he, he needs kind of that perfect storm of, of outcomes to to get there. And so, like, I agree he's good. Um, but I think you might be able to get more from him than he's going to give you moving forward. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. By the way, we you mentioned Dobnak inspiring uh, facial hair here, but like, did we point out the start he had? Uh, Dobnak went five innings, one run ball, one walk, three strikeouts. He was very shaky early on. I watched his entire start and then really, really settled down from the third through the fifth inning uh, against a meh, a mediocre Brewers lineup. Um, I I thought it was a serviceable start, Scott, if you picked him up as a two-starter. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure how anxious I am to drop him if I picked him up as a two-start streamer. Uh... Two earned runs allowed now this season. And, you know, between the majors and minors last year, I believe he had an ERA below two. So he's still interesting in a boring way. And that goes a long way in, you know, at a time when so many pitchers are going to make you pull your hair out. This I, is I'm not the- saying he's ever going to be must start, but like he's, he's, he might be handy to keep around. He might be. He might be a better Dallas Keuchel, frankly. Well, so that's the guy I was going to say. Like, this is the kind of thing, though, where when, like, a new guy comes in and starts doing Dallas Keuchel things, we would probably, and not necessarily us as a podcast, I think you're being pretty measured about it, but just as, a, like, a baseball world, we're in a fantasy baseball world, we're going to be more interested in the new guy, especially if he's got a mustache and rec specs, uh, doing Dallas Keuchel things than we ever actually are about Dallas Keuchel. And... Like, I think a Dallas Keuchel outcome is probably pretty reasonable. Like, he he throws like Dallas Keuchel from the right-hand side, and you look at the, the pitch chart, and there is literally nothing in the strike zone basically above the belt. 
uh, he, he worked, he, he had a theme and he, he executed it really well. Um, but there's limited upside there. The one thing that I've noticed is he's not really going deep into games so far. He's gone uh, four, five, six, and five innings in his four starts thus far, uh, and he has been below 80 pitches in three of those. So not really going deep into starts. That might be measured. They might not want him you know, third time through the order uh, as much as he pitches to contact. That's something they consciously did with Jake Odorizzi last year. So something to pay attention to. Uh, I'm probably not dropping him yet either. Let's see what happens with his second start in the week. But uh, so far, so good for Randy Dobnak. On the other side in that game was Freddie Peralta, who came on a relief, four innings, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts. I mean, Chris, we, we spoke about this with Corbin Burns. What do we do with these guys from a fantasy perspective? Because it seems... In a points league, it's a little bit tougher to figure out, are they actually going to be bulk relievers the fifth time through the order every single time? It seems like they're more suited for roto roles right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you compare Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns, I think there's much more upside with Fred, with uh, Corbin Burns. Um, he, If he does figure it out, um, like he has the kind of pitch mix that could actually allow him to pitch deep into games. Freddie Peralta is basically a two-pitch pitcher, and you know, it's kind of there's kind of this like new slider that he's thrown in there, that slider and curveball that now he has. But you know, for the most part, it's all fastballs, and then he's mixing in the breaking balls. And I just I I think this is the the Freddie Peralta role. Yeah, come in, throw as throw as many fastballs as you want because he is a very fastball heavy pitcher. Uh, come in as a change of pace after a, a, a starter and just give us as much as you can out of the bullpen. I, I think that's the best role for him. And I I have trouble seeing him succeeding as a starter in a way that I don't with Corbin Burns. So I, I separate the two in terms of value too. I mean, you were talking about in terms of upside, but I think in terms of role, like Burns has been linked with Brett Anderson the past two turns. He's just mm-hmm. followed Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson has been kind of like a three inning opener and then Burns came in through five and a third, his most recent outing, so gave his starters workload. You know, obviously, he can't get quality starts if he's doing that. I'm not sure how often he was going to go deep enough to get a quality start anyway. It might be yeah. better this way. He's more often in line for a win. So I think Burns is, is usable in points leagues still and maybe even attractive. Uh, but, you know, Peralta in those deeper categories leagues yeah. where you're using middle relievers anyway, last two appearances, 14 strikeouts, two hits and in seven innings. I mean, that's, that'll play. Yeah. If this is the role for him. 10 swinging strikes on 61 pitches on Monday night as well. So, I mean, there's some stuff there and, and they gave him a contract extension back in spring training. So there's something the Brewers like about Freddie Peralta guys want to get to some questions. And of course I haven't done this in a while. Team name Tuesday, continue to send these in fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. These two are from Tanner McMahon cave and McMahon of war. Maybe he's related to, uh, to Ryan McMahon, but get a thumbs up, thumbs down. Nothing. (laughs) No. Yeah. That's, that's a team name. All right. Uh, these are from Richard. I don't know. Maybe this is supposed to be flattening the curve ball. Fattening yeah. the curveball? It's probably flattening the curveball. Oh, flattening the curve, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah not that's bad. what he's going for. Uh, Boobich, get out of the way. That's very good. <laughs> that's, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, that is good. Karen, Karen, check yourself before you wreck yourself. 
Both of these are in the in the mold of Yasmani, Money, Tomas problems, but are so much better. Are you some kind of Moran? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one's from Alfonso, and I'm just going to preface this uh, while I'm editing, because if I have to edit this out, I know where it's at. Uh, can I get a can I got a puck you? A lot of moving yeah. parts on that one. Yeah, yeah, I get that one. It's just too it's just too many names. Yeah, Brandon. four names at once. Can I get a what what I think just works better. And we definitely don't have to bleep you out if that was the team name. <laughs> All right, some APR questions that we've received from uh, Timmy Neutron. Apologies, I think you asked asked this like last week before, while he was still slumping, but what are your thoughts on Jorge Soler? Maybe we should have Chris answer this. Chris, what are your thoughts on Jorge Soler? Uh, so it's been a couple days since I've looked at him and this is always a struggle when, uh, when you're doing this, this early in the season, because someone can have something going wrong two days ago and all of a sudden, yeah, Jorge Soler looks awesome right now. So, uh, he, he hits the ball really hard and, uh, he, he, like, I, I didn't expect the strikeout rate from the second half to materialize and that hasn't been the case. So I, I'm not expecting, you know, a, a, like the huge breakout, but he's he's clearly a very good power hitter. Would you take him over Giancarlo Stanton rest of season? Uh, yeah, yeah. He finally won you over. Yeah, uh, yeah. All it took was <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton actually getting hurt. Uh, yeah. So far, Soler and being looks, better than Jorge Soler before getting hurt. Soler looks saying. Soler looks a lot like the player he was last year. So far, 286 batting average, uh, 925 OPS, five homers, 10 ribbies, good walk rate, strikeout rates right in line. He's still hitting the ball extremely hard. I think Jorge Soler kind of is who you drafted him to be. He's an outfielder, too, who's going to provide a lot of power. Uh, this one's from The Train. Who would you rather stash? Which doesn't really make sense at this point, but who would you rather own? Let's ask this way. Spencer Howard or Mackenzie Gore? Although we don't know when Mackenzie Gore is coming, Scott. Yeah, and, and that's... I, I have no reason to believe Mackenzie Gore is on his way soon. I know they just opened up a rotation spot, but uh, their beat writer, I forget his name, the, the Padres beat writer for MLB.com you know, was talking about how like Luis Patino came up because he was one of their most impressive pitchers in camp, and Gore wasn't. So, you know, we don't know what's been going on at the minor league camp, but they have a they have a lot of arms they could put in that spot other than Gore. I'm not saying Gore is an absolutely no way stash him kind of guy, but Howard has a job and is pretty exciting in his own right. So yeah, definitely okay. Howard. And they had a weird situation. Perdomo opened on Monday, then Strom, then Quantrill. So they really kind of just pieced it together with a bullpen on Monday night. That may have been the spot, right? I yeah. can't even remember. Yeah, because if Patino had pitched well in his relief appearances, I, I think they probably would have given him the opportunity to start here. But so far, he's made two relief appearances and hasn't looked very well, my good. My understanding was he was just getting called up just as a reliever. And that was my understanding. I could be wrong. I saw over the weekend that he was in consideration for this next turn in the rotation okay. that was available if he had pitched well. And to this point, to fair, like, he hasn't. As Scott said, like I, I haven't really said anything about Spencer Howard. He looked really good. Uh, and that changeup looks like it could be a really, really special pitch. He's got like 16 miles per hour separation between his changeup and fastball, which is uh, one of the, the factors that has been shown to correlate with changeup effectiveness, uh, and it moves a lot. So I think he can be a very good pitcher. The last one we'll get to here from KD Joe Hansen. 
I've been offered a $10 Kyle Tucker for my $3 Brandon Woodruff in a 5x5 Dynasty League. I'm getting a little thin on offense. My pitching staff is Strasburg, Lynn, Bueller, Hendricks, Alec Mills, and Tyler Chatwood. Also have Spencer Howard and Jordan Alvarez, so it feels like insurance for Jordan. But at the same time, I'm worried about playing time. No. Thoughts? No, no. You already have a proven high-end player in Woodruff, and he's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. I think you're overthinking the insurance aspect of having Tucker and Jordan Alvarez together, and there's upside for Tucker, no doubt about it, but Brandon Woodruff is a proven top 25 closer at this point. Starter. Uh, Starter. And and Alvarez could be back in a week. He could be back in less than a week. Right. So let's see what happens. For Scott and Chris, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. 